This is an encore performance of Always in Fashion. This show is produced and hosted by Mark Weber. The show is sponsored by G3 Apparel. The views expressed in the following program are those of the sponsor and not necessarily the opinion of 710 WOR or iHeartMedia. Who is Mark Weber? He's a self-made business executive here to help you find your success. From the New York City projects to the Avenue Montaigne in Paris, his global success story in the luxury world of fashion is inspirational. He's gone from clerk to CEO twice. Mark is classic proof that the American dream is alive and well. Here's your host of Always in Fashion, Mark Weber. Someone is negotiating. This is Mark Weber. Hold that thought. I'm thinking about working. How does the world go around? It's a new year. I'm thinking about who I am and who I want to be. I'm thinking I could be honest with myself. Have a dialogue, agree to change, agree to improve. Should be easy. I'm talking to myself. I'm negotiating with myself. I've been thinking about why everything seems so complicated when it's all so simple. I'm thinking about how we can't communicate politically any longer. The government can't negotiate anything. Hey, we can't agree to agree amongst ourselves. There's no talking. I've been thinking. Some say the only certainty in life is death and taxes. Perhaps depressingly true. But I'm thinking... There have to be more inevitables than just that. You must eat, drink, breathe. You must have warmth and shelter. These are the essentials necessary to sustain life. Are these not really certainties? Aren't these inevitables? I'm thinking perhaps something else is inevitable. Hmm, a third inevitable. That baby crying. It starts the moment you are born. You're negotiating. He's telling you he wants to negotiate. Give me milk or I won't stop crying. And you know what? You give him milk because you want a good outcome to that negotiation. Everything in life is negotiation. When you think about it, negotiation is about control and who has the leverage. Are you a crier or are you a whiner? I want you to be a winner. I've been thinking about negotiating. Negotiation is a psychological endurance contest. It's a study in human nature and fortitude. Negotiation is a battle of the minds expressed verbally. A negotiator is prepared and trained. A negotiator understands others' perspectives and needs. The body language, the words that matter are analyzed instantaneously and the proper response is given. Negotiations are understanding first who have the leverage and therefore who has the strength. And then negotiation is really about who is able to walk away and who can't. Negotiation. It's tough but fair. Both parties have to get something. Negotiations are deal-making. It's often personal. It's often business. Some say you should never take it personally. It's not personal, Sonny. It's strictly business. (laughs) If it's good enough for Michael Corleone, it's good enough for me. People need to walk away from every negotiation feeling good about themselves. 
Negotiation is feeling a sense of accomplishment on both sides. A negotiation should be a reward to yourself, something you've earned. There's always compromise. Both parties need to win, but one thing is clear. Negotiation is non-negotiable. So that baby crying, you're talking to your parents, you're talking to your teachers, your first job interview, finding that person who's your soulmate, it's all a negotiation. Now for me, I like knowing what the price is in this world. I don't like dealing with contractors. I hate it. I don't like buying cars. I don't like paying for goods and services. You walk out, you never know whether you had a good deal or not. You shake a salesman's hand, and then you look at your fingers to see if they're all there. Yet you need to negotiate. You recognize the need to negotiation. Negotiating in business. Let's talk it personal. I don't like asking for a raise. I don't like accepting what is offered if it's not worth what I'm offering. I don't think I should ever ask for a promotion, but it doesn't matter what I think. This is the way the world works. And every year you get a raise, every year you have an opportunity to negotiate it. You need to know your value. You need to know your importance in the company and only you can negotiate. Do you understand your leverage when you're sitting across the table from your boss? Interesting. Negotiating is non-negotiable. I like doing what I want to do when I want to do it. If anything in my life after this career, I've earned the right to do what I want to do when I want to do it. However, in life I have a family, and they have something to say. Often I spend my time negotiating what I'll do with the family. So as you can see, the subject of negotiation is in my head. I understand negotiations. I understand the need to negotiate. And I also understand how. I've been thinking a lot about negotiating. I've been thinking about how I got here. I've been thinking about how important negotiating is in our life. And there's no question You can run, you can hide, you don't have to care about the bombs, the guns, the bullets, or anything, but you have to take negotiating seriously. And that, my friends, is a theme for tonight. Now, I should point out, very simply, I'm negotiating with you right now. I just laid out my plan, my idea, my position to convince you to listen, to convince you to spend your precious time with me, and hopefully you're going to stay with me. Now, here's the point where I usually introduce my co-host, my son, my partner, and always in fashion, Jesse Weber. He is not here tonight. He's on assignment. He's covering the Harvey Weinstein trial right now for the Law and Crime Network. And a lot is going on. So my buddy Jesse, my son, is not here. But here's the good news. Tonight, we're going to discuss negotiations. We're going to discuss, hmm, negotiating with me. I'm a negotiator by trade, and I'm also a guy who thinks he's funny. I'm a wise guy. I was a wise guy. I thought I was funny. It got me in trouble. I want you to stay tuned. When you come back, I'll tell you a story that you're going to get a kick out of. Mark Weber, always in fashion. Negotiating is non-negotiable. Always in fashion. This is Mark Weber. This is always in fashion. I want to talk to you about shirts. More than anything else, I'm a shirt guy. I spent my entire beginning of my career in the shirt business with Van Heusen. 
I'm so proud that they're my sponsor because on top of everything else, they really, really know what they're doing. The fashion now for men's is shirts outside the pants. I'm a traditionalist. I've always tucked my shirt in. But I got to tell you, when I look at Jesse, I look at young people around, they're all wearing their shirts out. I don't know when it became the look, but the more I looked at it, the more I realized it's a very, very casual but elegant way of saying, I understand what's going on. and This is how I want to be comfortable. Wearing shirts untucked is a powerful expression. However, it's not so simple. You just can't take any shirt out of your pants and make it look right. In fact, when you cut dress shirts, you make them a little longer so they stay in your pants when you bend down. Van Usen has introduced their Untucked Collection, a collection of men's shirts designed specifically to be worn out so that when you're wearing them out, they fit you perfectly. They sit perfectly. These Van Usen Untucked shirts are available in long sleeve, short sleeve, plaids and stripes, Solid colors, all designed in such a way to be untucked, look right when you go out. Shop VanUsen.com, the Never Tucked Collection. You'll feel good about the way you look. You'll know you look right. Your shirts will fit you perfectly. These guys know what they're doing. And right now, these shirts are acceptable at work. They're acceptable when you go out on the town. They look great for wherever you're going. So I tell you, folks, you want to be in fashion? VanUsen.com, where you'll see what's going on with Untucked. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. In life, everything is a negotiation. And no matter how much you want to avoid it, whether you don't like speaking, whether you don't like confrontation, whether you don't like having to deal with other people, life is an important negotiation. Now, I've had some very interested experiences. And I've learned along the way, sometimes the hard way, how to negotiate. And I have one of my favorite stories for you right now. And it has to do with Honduras. Yep, of all places in the world, it has to do with Honduras. I was working for a company and we had a partner in Honduras. Now let me explain to you what I mean by a partner. Those of you who are familiar with the word licensing, Licensing is throughout our life. Licensing is the means by which big brands rent their name to companies who have an expertise in a certain category that benefits both parties by expanding the product offering. Take, for instance, sunglasses. All the designer sunglasses you see, all the brands, none of them make their own sunglasses. What is a shirt company? What is a clothing company? What is a shoe company? What are any of them? Luxury brands, whatever. What do they know about sunglasses and eyewear and lenses and the technicalities? Absolutely nothing. However, there are huge, huge experts out there who do this for a living. And you make a decision. I want to be in the eyeglass business, the sunglass business, because it's great for my brand. When those models walk down the runway or someone walks into a sunglass hut, my brand is going to be seen. It's great for the business. I'll rent my brand and, by the way, get paid for it. Wonderful deal. It's called licensing. And so many products that you buy are licensed products from major brands or design houses to experts in their field. So I was doing a deal for shirts in Honduras. And at the time, we rented our name to this particular company who manufactured shirts in their territory, and they had a very large business for a very long time. 
I just became the president of the shirt company, and I remember looking at the accounts receivable report. The partners in Honduras were behind payment for a year. Being a new president, I couldn't live with that. Just so happens, the president of that company is coming to New York, and we're going to have a meeting. And this is where your hero thinks he's funny, and it's a great story. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, the president of the company is in our office. Distinguished gentleman. His father had been in business with the company. He's in business. He's turning over the business to his son, and he walks in, very distinguished. I had met him before. Sits down. He said, congratulations on your new assignment, Mark. I'm very pleased to be working with you, and I look forward to a great future. Great opening line to a negotiation he didn't know he was about to have. You see, what was going on is he walked in, he looked great, and I am a watch guy. He was wearing this solid gold Rolex. It was amazing. That Rolex was worth more than my house, and I'm looking at it, and I'm listening, and I'm saying to myself, all right, this should be easy. Guy owes us money. I'm going to ask him for it. He hasn't paid us for a year. Hey, he's got the money, obviously. So he sits down after saying hello to me. I said, listen, before we begin, I I have a bit of a problem. I need your help. Sure, Mark, what can I do for you? Um, sir, you owe us a year's worth of payment. We haven't been paid for years. Don't worry about it, Mark. You're going to get paid. Um, yeah, I hear you, but, um, you owe us this money. I'm new in my job, and my job is to collect it. I, I can't understand why you haven't paid us. And he looked at me and said, I've always had an understanding with the company, Mark, that dates back before you were sitting in this chair that says I can pay you as it becomes due. So I said to him, I have to ask you, Mr. So-and-so, you run a factory, you run a large company, you own a big complex in your country. Do you pay the workers? And he looks at me. I said, do you pay your electric bills? And he looks at me. I said, do you pay for supplies? And he looks at me. And I kid you not, each one of those looks, his eyes narrowed, and he got angrier. You could see he was getting angry at me. And he said, well, of course we do. We are your partners in business. We are renting you the use of our name. A big part of your business is the use of our name. Don't you think you should pay us? He said, well, business is not easy right now. We need some more time. We'll we'll get to paying you. So here's where your hero thought he was being funny. So I looked at him and I said, tell you what, why don't you give me the Rolex? I think that'll cover what you owe us. People around the world have pride. They call it face very often. And man, did I embarrass this guy. I really, really pissed him off. And he looked at me and he said the following. I'll tell you what, Mark. Why don't you visit my country? And when you get there, we'll sit down and I'll give you the watch. And I promise you, you will never leave the country with it. (laughs) If I tell you my blood ran cold, this man was a master of the universe in his country. He had to deal with a lot tougher guys than me. And he didn't have to put up with this wise guy. And if anything, I'm telling you the story because when I tell you what a smart guy I am and how successful I've been, I've made my fair share of mistakes and this was one of them. 
I will never forget how I felt that day. I will never forget how I felt that night. I will never forget how I went home and told my wife and she told me what a jerk I was. So there's a story here for you and lesson to be learned. Negotiations go two ways and respect is a big part of them. Now, both people are entitled to face and there's a way to deal with it. You know, I could have said, you know, I'm sitting here with you, Mr. So-and-so, and the fact that you're not paying me, I'm losing face. It doesn't look good for me. And then he might have dealt with me differently. But the idea of me being a wise guy and thinking I'm funny, I lost that argument. And with that, I want to take a break. When I come back, I'll show you how much smarter I got as we went along. Always in fashion. TKNY, from the moment it entered our world, expressed what we were about as individuals. They took the energy of New York City and made it part of our lives. And for that, we all became invested in DKNY. They weren't just about the product. They cared about the way we feel. And it's interesting that for fall, DKNY is coming back with a concept called Today I Feel. That's what they want to talk to us about. And they came out with a press release that I want to share with you. We're empowered to wear what we feel and encouraged to express every facet of ourselves in the way we dress. To never let anyone else define what we wear or how we feel, no matter how hard they may try. Radiate confidence in a printed mini dress. Feel like a badass in a leather trench and combat boots or zen and out in matching workout set. Whatever you're feeling, show it off. Today, I feel. I think DKO once again is tapping into the pulse of America, that there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of discomfort every day as people go through their lives. And companies that are substantial and companies that care about people want to make a difference. And DKNY is one of the most exciting fashion brands ever. And it continues to be relevant both for women and for men. However, a company to care about how we feel and express themselves in this campaign is another signal how DKNY is such an important part of the lives we live. DKNY, today I feel. It's been a lifetime of my career building the Van Usen brand. And I am so pleased that they're back with us now talking about suits. Men, we're dressing up again. And it's become cool to wear a suit. Suits can be worn on multiple occasions in multiple ways. You could wear a suit formally to go out at night or to an event. You could wear a suit to the office with or without a tie. If you look closely now, fashion trends, suits are being worn with turtlenecks or mock necks. The choices are endless, and every one of them looks right. You can really, really look the part. I believe that and packaging yourself is as important as the products you package. And wearing a suit is one of those things that make men look their best. Van Usen invented a new idea. It's called the Cool Flex Suit. It's been engineered with stretch technology, giving you the most comfortable fit and mobility. It's wrinkle-resistant fabric. It's cool moisture wicking. It makes it perfect for all occasions, as we discussed just now. This new style of looking sharp, 
while feeling cool and comfortable is amazing. And I'm so excited that the van using company is involved in this new technology and is embracing the whole idea of dressing up. Let's not forget, Van Usen made its name with dress shirts. It's only proper that the suit business follows strongly in its wake. You can find Van Usen Cool Flex men's stretch suits at JCPenney or online at jcpenney.com. Guys, they're great. You should go look at them. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. We're talking business tonight on Always in Fashion, the business of negotiating. Now, on our first show, we got a lot of great comments. In fact, I did a post that I was coming here on LinkedIn. I've got over 6,000 people commenting on the first show and how excited they are to have found us and that I let them know that we're on WOR, and I'm thrilled about that. Along the way, we get some other comments, and somebody wrote to Jesse, co-host here, said, your father only talks about his career. You know, I get it. He's successful. He talks too much. Well, that's your opinion, and you're entitled to it. And perhaps the first show where I talked about laying out who we are and whatever, I talk so much, told my career story, but okay. So I'm making a touch of an adjustment today just to make sure that one person who still might be listening recognizes I'm not full of myself. I didn't get to where I got doing Things that were always right. I've made some mistakes. And you know what? You learn along the way. And I'll tell you who said what I think makes the uh, definitive statement on learning. Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein said, someone who does the same thing over and over and expects a different result is insane. That was his definition of insanity. Someone who does the same thing over and over and expects a different result. Someone would think I learned my lesson if you heard the first segment about how to behave in a negotiation. And with that in mind, all these years later, uh, I have a story to tell you. And it's very, very recent. Now, I want to begin by saying, whatever I'm about to tell you is my fault. I have a big mouth. I'm a wise guy. I could be an arrogant, you know what. And sometimes it gets in the way. You see, pride and ego are very important components of being successful. But what also is important is the ability to control them. And I want to tell you a story. Having warned myself and warned you what I'm about to do doesn't make sense, but I'm going to tell you what happened. In my former life on radio, after doing all my demo tapes, after getting on the air, and after bringing in a significant amount of new sponsors to the radio show, I was feeling really, really big, really, really good about myself, and I asked for a meeting with the management at the station. And lo and behold, they agreed, and a few weeks later, we set up this real important meeting, the first of its kind. We were going to sit down and talk about what I viewed of my show, what I thought was important, and what I thought would be really, really important to hear what was going on from the station's point of view and what they were going to do for me. And as I said, wait till you hear this one. So I show up at the studio, and I'm with six people from the station, none of which I recognized. After all, I wasn't there very long. And they asked me, what can they do for me? I started laying out my plans. Now remember, tonight's show is negotiating is non-negotiable. And I'm about to negotiate with the radio station for the first time. Now, I had done my homework. I knew what I wanted to accomplish. I knew what I wanted to say. I knew I was on solid ground. I'm performing well. Our ratings are good. We have great sponsorship. 
I feel like I have some leverage here. I'm in a good place. So I sit down with these guys and I start to lay out what I want. Here I am. I want a better time on the radio. I want to be on Saturday and Sunday. I need someone to help me take more calls and screen them properly. I'm looking for someone to help me book my guests. I'm looking for a better lead-in. I didn't like the shows that were preceding mine. I wanted better everything. And by the way, I want to be syndicated. You tell me what I need to do to be syndicated. And I had a great meeting with these guys for 45 minutes. Couldn't have been better. So after talking for 45 minutes, this guy walks in. Hey, Mark, how are you? Sorry I'm late. Hey, you know what? I was caught up with Imus and this is a negotiation. Sorry I'm late. I said, who the f*** are you? He says to me, well, I'm so-and-so. I'm the boss here. I looked at him and I said, I just spent 45 minutes with this group of guys telling them exactly what I want. You come prancing in here and giving me this Now I got to do this whole thing all over again? This guy's the boss. <laughs> He's the boss. He says, well, I, I apologize, but I had to deal with Imus. I don't give a f- who Imus is. He ain't sitting here. I'm sitting here. Guy looks at me and says, well, I'm sorry to hear you feel that way, Mark, but let's get on with the meeting. You want to continue it or end it? <laughs> well, I'll tell you right then and there, names not sounded, this guy couldn't stand me. And you know what? He was right. When you lose your cool in a negotiation, you lose. There's no reprieves. There's no coming back. And for my entire duration at the station, this guy couldn't stand me. And I didn't blame him. Now, we tried to make nice over the time, but we were oil and water. It was ugly. Now, you would think over time, and I would say to you, if he was confronted with this, he would tell me he forgot about it, correctly so. He would tell me that we negotiated on the merits of the conversation, and I'm sure he was right. But somewhere along the way, he decided he can talk down to me. You see, he understood the radio business and the conceptuality of how it works and what was good for the station and where my show fit in or didn't fit in. He had the leverage and he was in control. And yes, I would never understand the radio the way he did. However, I was the CEO of two massive companies. I was involved in business my whole career. I could watch what's going on. I understood how to make money. I understood how to make the station money. And yet, this man always talked to me disrespectfully. It was so bad. I can tell you in these meetings, his people were squirming, whether it was the way I was conducting myself or what he was saying. I'm sure there was enough blame to go around, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he was the boss and he was entitled to the respect. Let's fast forward four years. It's time to decide, 2020, how I want to spend my time. Do I want to continue at the radio station or do I want to move on? Hmm, hmm, hmm. See, I'm a loyal corporate guy. It takes a lot to move me. I tried so hard to get friendly with everyone, build a powerful show that people would be interested in, bring in sponsors, bring in new sponsors, create energy. Energy is a very important component. It's important in life and it's important in negotiations. And believe me, I show up with energy every day. I never get tired. I never get bored. And here I am ready to discuss my go-forward contract. 
During the course of the years, I had thrown out every idea before. Every time they got a new business development person, I would sit down an hour and a half with this guy. He said he'd make something happen. And the minute he walked out, I'd look at Jesse and say, another lightweight, it ain't happening. Eh, another lightweight, ain't happening. So now we're on the final throws. During the course of time, we discussed increasing our pay and revenue sharing. We discussed syndication. We discussed all the things that I felt were necessary to make a better show. The product is always king. And we delivered a show unlike anything else. We interviewed great guests. We delivered quality programming day in, day out, every weekend. And I thought we did a great job. And I thought we were entitled to new things. So finally, after negotiating with these guys, I sat down and we started talking about everything again. And during the course of the negotiation, it's the 11th hour. I have a decision to make, to stay or leave. They don't know that. I'm in this negotiation. They have the nerve to say to me, after three and a half years of doing this negotiation, why don't you just put down in writing what really is important to you? And I looked at them and said, you're kidding me, right? You're kidding me. You have the nerve? After all of us have been talking about this every week for years, the last three months build up, you know, the clock is ticking. Now you're asking me to put it down and write. I refuse to. You know what I want. And by the way, just for nothing, I want a 5% raise. Well, I don't know if we can do that. I said six months ago, I was told that you guys were discussing a 5% income raise. I don't think it's going to change your life, and I asked for it. They were prepared for me, (laughs) or they thought they were. And they sat down and said, we've given it some thought. Now, here's the funny part of the story. On my way into the office, the guy I was negotiating with, let's call him a senior manager, but not the guy I had to fight with. I did see him in the office of the guy I had to fight with. Okay? I did before he came in. So he sits down and he says to me, Mark, on the income, here's what we're prepared to do. So now I'm interested. I am dying for these guys to say anything that will allow me to stay there. We're negotiating. Do something smart. Please, show me something. He said to me, we'll tell you what we're going to do. Last year, you brought a million dollars worth of advertising. Anything that you bring in above the million dollars, we will give you another 5% income. So we're going to pay you based on your revenue sharing. How's that, Mark? So I said to him, so let me see if I get this straight. Every dollar that I earn for the station doesn't count for anything until we get to the million dollars. He said, yes, we're only prepared to pay you the additional increase on the uh, 5%. So I looked at him and I said, you guys, do you get a salary? Yeah. You get paid your salary no matter what? Yes. Do you have a bonus system? Yes. So your bonus system is on top of it. Isn't that correct? Yeah. I said, but you're asking me not to get a raise. I'm not quite sure I'm understanding it. Will you guys excuse us for a second? I leaned over to Jesse. I whispered in his ear. I said, Jesse, you know what's going on here? He said, tell me, Daddy. I said, what is 5% of nothing? And he looked at me. He said, what do you mean? I said, 5% of nothing is what? He said, nothing. So I said, you have to understand, if I walk away, they're going to lose the million dollars, let alone save the 5%. And he laughed. He said, I get it. So I went back in the negotiation room, and um, I recalled that during our last negotiation, 
they had said to us, you know, Mark, maybe you should try another station. Maybe they're a better place for you to work. <laughs> ah, I hadn't thought of that. I'm glad you gave that one to me. But make a long story short, we had our meeting, shook hands. I thanked them for their effort. I really appreciated the thought and time they put into the negotiation, and we left. Jesse and I left, sat down. I looked at him. He looked at me. I said, we're leaving. He said, yes. And the moral of the story is <laughs> negotiating is non-negotiable. You have to understand who your audience is. You have to understand when you're across the table from someone, what is it they need? What is it they're looking for? If those guys wanted me to stay, it would have been easy. Nothing. And that's what they got. I left. Now, in the end, in a negotiation, both parties have to win. And you know what? They don't have to look at me anymore, so they're happy. And to a certain degree, as am I. With that, I'll be back in a moment. Always in fashion. As one of the world's most celebrated fashion designers, Karl Lagerfeld was renowned for his aspirational and cutting-edge approach to style. His unique vision of Parisian chic comes to America through Karl Lagerfeld Paris. He has women's collections, men's collections, ready-to-wear accessories, shoes, and bags. The fashion house Karl Lagerfeld also offers a range of watches, eyewear, and premium fragrances. You can explore the Karl Lagerfeld collection at karllagerfeldparis.com. But it's more than that. I, for one, love to shop. I love going around and seeing what's happening and what catches my attention, what would make me feel good to wear. Now, I don't wear the women's wear, obviously, but I can appreciate it, and they look amazing. If you want to look right, you want to have clothes that fit you well, you want to look like you're wearing something that's very expensive, that's exclusive for you and yours, you can find it at very affordable prices at Macy's or CarlLagerfeld.com Paris. The women's ready-to-wear fashion is extraordinary, as well as the handbags and the shoes. I, for one, wear men's clothes, unlike my appreciation of women's clothes. I'm a modern guy. I want to look current. I want to look the way I want to feel. I go out at night, I'm in black, and Carl Lagerfeld is my buddy. Clothes are great. They fit great. And they have little tweaks and touches, whether it's a stripe on the sleeve or button at the neck or on the shoulder. There's a lot of details that go into Carl Lagerfeld. Because he's always been, he always had been, one of the world's great designers. And this legacy and goes on and on. I can't speak enough about it except to say to you, you want to feel good about yourself. You want to know that you're dressing properly. You want clothes that fit you well. Carl Lagerfeld Paris at Macy's or CarlLagerfeld.com. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. Tonight, the theme of the show is negotiating and negotiations are non-negotiable. I've been telling you about how foolish I've been in my career and the mistakes I've made, but not always. And I have another story I want to tell you. There was a period in time that I was the CEO of Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy. I had a lot of titles, a lot of responsibilities. I sat on their executive committee in Paris, but I want to talk to you about one assignment I had during the way, and I was chairman and CEO of the Donna Karen Company, which of course included one of the great brands of all time, DKNY, Donna Karen, New York. And as it turns out, the Donna Karen, New York, DKNY business was very strong, and we had partners all over the world doing different things for us. One in particular, the United States, is we had a partner manufacturing, designing, and marketing our jeans product. Somewhere along the way, the management of the company decided 
that they would license the name, that they would rent their name to another company to do the jeans business for them. And in that particular time, it really worked. And over the course of time, the jeans business had been out for 15 years, selling approximately $300 million worth of jeans products across the way. A fantastic business. I'll never forget when I came in, my first week of being the new CEO of Donna Karen, I went to meet the big partners, licensing partners, and I went and met the people who did our jeans license. I was excited to be meeting the new president of DKNY Jeans from this other company. And across the way, I don't want to give you names and don't want to tell you what goings on with his company and the problems they were having, but he told me how much he loved being involved with DKY and the profits and importance it was to his company, which was a big apparel conglomerate that ultimately had its day in court. But at the time, DKY Jeans was doing amazing. I want to fast forward three or four or five years, and all of a sudden the business is falling apart. We're hearing stories about lack of performance. We're hearing stories about huge markdowns, huge problems, product not selling, losing positioning in Macy's of all places. We are at the point where I did call Macy's, and they told me that you are on the risk of losing this business completely. These people have really put a hurt on your business. So I started to get really, really worried. This was a big profit earner for the licensed company and a big profit earner for us. So what to do? One day I get a call from a bank representing this company and saying to me, uh, Mark, we want to talk to you about buying back your license. We think you do a better job than jeans than we can. I said, you know, thank you for that, but we have a contract, and the uh, contract lasts uh, another five years, and we're making an extraordinary amount of money doing it this way. I, I think I'll let you continue it. The banker just so happened to be my friend. And during the course of the conversation, he said to me, Mark, if you don't buy this company back, they're going to destroy it. You have to consider the fact that these people don't know how to run the business any longer. Their interest is not in your company. They have their own problems with brands they own. You should take the company back. I said, thank you. Let me think about it. Hey, Jesse, you think this is interesting? Daddy, this is very interesting. Thanks, Jesse. I needed your help. Sorry you're not here. You like my stories? Daddy, your stories are the greatest. <laughs> really? He said, no, Daddy, they're really great. You know, Jesse, I, I'm liking this. You know, you're really good when you're not here. <laughs> anyway, I uh, sat down with my chief financial officer, and I said to her, her name is Tisha Calber. I said, Tisha, what should we do here? Can we buy the business back? What can we afford to pay for it? How do we do it in such a way that uh, it's not dilutive to our earnings? How do we do this? And we sat and we worked out a plan. And we said we needed now to convince the LVMH team. And this is where I was smart. You want to talk about negotiations? Every day you're negotiating, the single most important part in a negotiation is being prepared, knowing what you have to say. How do you organize yourself? So important. First thing I did is I have to approach LVMH and convince them that I need to bring this business back in-house. Not an easy thing to buy back a $300 million business from a partner at a time that it's bringing you easy money. But I had to do it. First thing I did, I knew a woman who was easy on doing research. She had a network of 5,000 people online that she could put questions out to almost immediately within a week, get you some solid answers. And she went out and did the research. 
And what I found out about genes was not surprising. I'll share with you very simply as it related to DKNY. One, Donna Karen made dresses for $10,000. Donna Karen made sweaters for $1,000. We had this great luxury business. DKNY, the brand itself, with dresses at $300, pants at $125. They call it a uh, diffusion line from the main collection. It's the number one line after the number one line. They had a big business. So Donna Karen would be in Neiman Marcus. Uh, DKNY Sportswear would be in Bloomingdale's. And Jeans would be in Macy's and Dillard's and Belk department stores. The research said two things. One, it's the entry point into the brand. That means simply, if somebody wants to touch your brand, how do they get in? And it was jeans, because jeans and t-shirts were affordable. They were affordable. So if somebody wanted the magic of Donna Karen or the DKY brand, buy a pair of jeans, buy a t-shirt. It's not unlike Louis Vuitton. If you go into Louis Vuitton, yes, all the handbags are $3,000 or up or whatever the price is on their magic handbags. Even the basics are $2,000. You could buy a keychain for a couple of hundred dollars. You could be familiar with the brand. You can buy a wallet if you're in men's, if I recall, for $500. Those were their entry points. So number one, we had an entry point having this jeans line. Number two, young people knew the brand very well. Because it was out there. It was in Macy's. We brought appeal to a young customer. And what it said was, this was a viable business. And the most important question, or one of the most important questions were, hey, guys, when you come into our stores, Donna Karen or, or DKNY, the question on the survey said, what do you expect to find? Almost 99% of the people said jeans and T-shirts. So even though we were selling $10,000 Donna Karen dresses or $5,000 business suits or $1,000 sweaters, when they walked in the store, they expected to find jeans and T-shirts. This is the first thing I did to present my case to LVMH about bringing jeans back in-house, number one. Number two, I started to demonstrate. I did the research. How many doors were we in at Macy's? How big was the business? Where is the business going? There were precipitous drops in the last two years, and if we didn't continue, it was clear the business would disappear. And number three, what do I know about the jeans business? How do I put on paper? our expertise. Who do we have here? Who would I bring in? How would I organize the company in order to receive the jeans business back in-house? Clearly, the operating company doing the jeans business knew how to design and import jeans and t-shirts into the United States. The management was lacking. I isolated candidates. I found a team of people, a president, CEO, a head of sales, and I put the whole thing together. And I flew to Paris. The point of this story was doing the research, doing the homework, being prepared. There was one other thing. During my course of time with LVMH, because I had been a CEO of a former company, I understood how you're supposed to communicate to senior management of a company. I understood how to speak to a board. I understood what they wanted to understand. I understood what they needed to hear. I understood how to anticipate questions that they may have before they even answered. They want full disclosure. Business people do not want surprises. Business people trust those of us who give straight, clear information that explains in detail what they need to hear. And of course, over my time at LVMH, 
I built trust and I built a way of communication that they knew from me, whatever they heard was what the realities were. I put in the risks, I put in the advantages, and I explained my case. I must tell you, my meeting lasted no more than a half hour. It was with Bernard Arnault, the chairman and CEO of LVMH, and a fellow named Antoni Bologna, the managing director, or as we would call him, the president of LVMH, and I explained why and how we needed to bring the jeans business back in-house. It was a very interesting negotiation, which pretty much came down to Mark. You can make this work? Yes, I can, gentlemen. You are confident that the team you're building will make this work? Yes. Will the stores stay with you if you take on this business? Yes. You think this is important for the brand, Mark? I think it's strategically important, gentlemen. Then you have our blessing. Good luck. Make it happen. And they assigned one of their French bankers to work with me, who I knew, and we brought the business in-house. And the moral of the story is, well, first, I'm not always an idiot. Second, being prepared and understanding your business goes very, very long way in negotiating. And don't forget it. Negotiating is non-negotiable. Back in a minute. Always in fashion. It's been a lifetime of my career building the Van Usen brand. And I am so pleased that they're back with us now talking about suits. Men, we're dressing up again. And it's become cool to wear a suit. Suits can be worn on multiple occasions in multiple ways. You could wear a suit formally to go out at night or to an event. You could wear a suit to the office with or without a tie. If you look closely now, fashion trends, suits are being worn with turtlenecks or mock necks. The choices are endless and every one of them looks right. You can really, really look the part. I believe that in packaging yourself is as important as the products you package. And wearing a suit is one of those things that make men look their best. Van Usen invented a new idea. It's called the Cool Flex Suit. It's been engineered with stretch technology, giving you the most comfortable fit and mobility. It's wrinkle-resistant fabric. It's cool moisture wicking. It makes it perfect for all occasions, as we discussed just now. This new style of looking sharp while feeling cool and comfortable is amazing. And I'm so excited that the Van Usen Company is involved in this new technology and is embracing the whole idea of dressing up. Let's not forget, Van Usen made its name with dress shirts. It's only proper that the suit business follows strongly in its wake. You can find Van Usen Cool Flex Men's Stretch Suits at JCPenney or online at jcpenney.com. Guys, they're great. You should go look at them. I've been shopping for fun lately. And while I'm out, I always look at men's and I look at women's, what's going on. And, and I was particularly interested in DKNY because of their sponsorship of the show. I went downstairs at Macy's, 34th Street, to look around and I saw DKNY activewear. And I promise you, ladies, it is sensational. From the sports bras to the crop tops to the uh, leggings and the sweats, it really is a great look. And DKNY had begun as an all-American brand dressing, casual clothes, and jeans. And the stuff looks incredible. And right now, the colors and the styles is so exciting that I feel great about the company. I always do. I wear the menswear all the time. I've had situations where I've gone to big events and been interviewed on TV or the radio, and someone comes up to me with a microphone, and like they always do, who are you wearing? 
And here I am, this big shot with big company, and they say, well, I'm wearing a DKNY. And they laugh and say, no, you're not. I actually have one on the Internet where you could see me. They ask me what suit I'm wearing, and I say DKNY and open it up, and there's the DKNY label. Great fashion. It fits well. It looks right. It's designed to make you comfortable in the city. It goes from day into night. You can wear it in the morning, you wear it in the afternoon, and you look cool at night as well. It's great for the office. It's great for leisure. But I was talking about the DKNY activewear. The first time I really became aware of it, Jesse and I were up at Sirius Radio. He was doing a, a job for Sirius. He does a Dan Abrams show. He fills in on the POTUS network. And we were in the lobby, and this hip-hop group came up with this really great-looking Latino singer, girl, young, beautiful, and she was wearing a DKNY sports bra. And I said to myself, this is amazing. I actually went to Macy's to see it. And I'm excited about the brand. And I tell you what, ladies, DKNY always has great fashion for work, always wonderful dresses and things that you'd wear. Their accessories are great. The shoes are always very cool. But activewear in particular right now looks sensational. And being that everyone's athleisure and activewear, it's a great time. DKNY, go take a look. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. We're negotiating all the time, and that's what the show is dedicated to. What's important for you to know, why I'm giving you a career speech, and this show is strictly business tonight and always in fashion, there's some lessons to be learned here. If you recognize how important negotiation is, if you recognize how important it is to be prepared, if you understand that human nature says that you want to feel good about yourself when you're negotiating, so does the person across the table. They need to feel good about themselves as well. There's human nature involved. There's psychological manipulation involved. You have to get what you want, but so do they. In the end, if you can negotiate, if you convince people, if you can make deals, if you can deliver these things for your company, you will be considered a key player. Now, the converse is, if you can't make things happen, if you can't deliver results, if you can't negotiate, you're not going to be successful. So remember, negotiating is non-negotiable.